Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing very well. Doing very well, indeed. Enjoying some sun. Oh, very nice. Just, there's yeah. definitely... You know what? There's autumn in the air, uh, and I'm a big fan of that. I love autumn. There really is. I think with Bake Off coming back to our screens, that is the sign of autumn. It may even be on tonight. Uh, maybe. Um, and I need to plan my annual uh, Halloween rewatch as well. Oh, yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. Go do on the there. whole thing. There's, every year it gets harder because they keep releasing more films <laughs> to start earlier in the year. Yeah. So we're carrying on our first look of the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion for players. And we've done level zero for Guardian, Seeker, Rogue and Mystic which means that listeners might be able to guess what we're going to be doing this episode. What what are we doing this episode? We're doing Level Zero Survivor, which means we're also doing the salesman himself, Bob Jenkins. Yes, this guy. Two willpower, four intellect, three combat, three agility, entrepreneur traded. We've had another entrepreneur in our first looks. Massive wall of text. First bit of text. At any time, an investigator at your location may reveal to you the item assets in their hand. You may take an additional action during your turn, which can only be used to play an item asset from the hand of an investigator at your location under their control. Both investigators may spend resources to pay its cost. Elder sign effect, plus one for each item asset you control. Six health, sanity and I'll just flip him over normal deck size and then he's got the edge of the earth deck building so he starts as a survivor but he can take rogue levels one to five and he can take five level zero rogue cards as well when he starts out and he requires shrewd dealings greed and a random basic weakness that is Bob yeah he's a he's an interesting one isn't he Bob yeah he is an interesting one now what Weirdly jumped out to me the most about Bob when I read him is that he's a multiplayer character. Mm. Now, he isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything on there applies to you as much as it does to the other investigators at your location. Mm. There's so much of the kind of real estate on the front of the card there talking about other players. So they can reveal their hand to you. You can both pay the resource cost. You can play their items. It just seemed to jump out to me as a multiplayer investigator. Yeah. Um, Which is, I don't know, a weird path for my brain to go down first off. I think it wouldn't surprise me if players get caught out that they forget that they are not also an investigator at their location when they play as Bob. Because it does make you think of other investigators, doesn't it? But the reality is you are also an investigator at your location. And I think they even joked to you that I was really looking forward to playing Bob solo because at any time I could reveal to myself the item assets in my hand. Yeah, yeah. At any let time. Just, let me just ask myself what I've got in my hand. Oh, I've got Yeah, that. exactly. Oh, just the item assets, not the rest of my hand. But <laughs> at any time, you know, midway through an enemy attacking me, I can just say, oh, hang on, I'm about to assign that damage, but I'm just going to check what item assets I have in my hand. Yeah, which is kind of silly. So that that first chunk of text doesn't really apply for Solo. I think it's also a weird bit of text because we've talked about this before. Table talk rules are more like guidelines and not necessarily enforced depending on the group people are playing in and people's play style. So this idea, you know, this is a reminder that you're not meant to tell anyone at the table what everyone else has in their hand. And then the other thing is that a lot of people play two-handed so they know what the other person has in their hand, yeah. not just the <laughs> items. So it kind of, I feel like it's a bit of an ability that's sort of asking you to take it on trust. But I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it, it just really sets up how the ability works in the very strict framework of the rules, doesn't it? Yes. How will you possibly know what items you could play? Oh, okay, let's put something on the card. Yeah. So then the second thing for me is there's it's an additional action investigator. Yeah. And yeah. I know you said multiplayer, but you know, normally they're pretty useful in solo as well because they give you, you know, a, you take your actions from three to four, which is normally a pretty significant bump. So his extra action isn't maybe as potent as the Finn Evade or the Ursula extra extra 
investigate, but it is actually an additional action to play items every single turn. And having said it's maybe not as potent as Finn's, actually it doesn't matter if there are enemies or not, you can just keep playing items, can't As long as you have an item to play, you can you can put it down. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of nice. potentially useful from the very first turn of the game, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need an enemy or anything else there in order to be benefiting from this ability. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if down the line when we do our investigator-specific episode for Bob, we have some thoughts about how many items are the right number of items to put in a Bob deck as well, in the same way of you know, allies in a Leo deck. You want to take advantage of that ability, but you also don't want your deck to be so skewed that you actually have nothing else to do. Or if, you, if you've got too few items, then you actually lose out on the action. What about his stats then? Yeah. A, lowly, a lowly two willpower, but a fairly decent for Survivor for intellect? Yeah, uh, a very decent for Survivor for intellect. Our next highest is what, Wendy with three? And we don't think of her as very investigative. I think four is pretty significant, isn't it? Because up until this point, we've thought of Survivors as one of the factions that has to trick their way to get clues or use Shroud Reduction or look what I found. And then here, Bob is like, no, I'm at four. Yeah, yeah. And two physical stats, both at three as well, which is not terrible. Yeah, he. looking at that stat line, I felt for Solo, oh, I can work with that. Nothing is leaping out to me as Stella, obviously, because it's pretty, pretty flat. But for Intellect, like, yeah, with Survivor Tricks, I can get clues. And then as I upgrade into Rogue, for Intellect plus Lockpicks is a good place to be. Um, and then three Combat, three Agility made me think I can probably evade some things and I could probably fight with those, those stats. The other thing I'd add, I suppose, when we think about items for Bob, and confession to make, actually, at the point we're recording this, I have actually played with Bob. Because the time it's taken us to record all of the first looks, I had some downtime and I've been playing with Bob. So the thing that I was really scratching my head about was what items start in his deck and then what items do you upgrade into if upgrading into items is what you do. And so broadly speaking, I thought about the soak and the tools that you get at survivor level zero. And then I mentioned lockpicks there, but then the idea of actually getting access to powerful illicit items as he upgrades and powerful exceptional items as he upgrades and so for me there's this possibility that he starts out as your kind of almost your rag and bone man hey i've got a coat i've got a keepsake have this rabbit's foot (laughs) but then as he gets experience he starts to trade in machine guns and pocket watches you know these kind of the crazy strange different um more esoteric items esoteric devices yeah exactly he becomes a sort of black marketeer maybe which i think is quite exciting yeah i think that's a really fun a really fun way to take him isn't it mm. and i think the other thing is you get a lot of those like maybe powerful one-shot items which you can then dig back out of your your rubbish as well using mm-hmm. some of the the survivor recursion tricks he can't take scavenging level two unfortunately but he can take scavenging level zero yeah seems like a great like a, a, a antiques dealer bob picking stuff out of the rubbish and then and then selling it on again and one of the drawbacks of scavenging historically has been poor intellect on survivors poor intellect on survivors is one and then also not having the actions to actually like are you just using those items as commit and then not actually ever playing them you're just using them as commitment items that you pull back and like that min scavenging style you're maybe committing things like segment of onyx because you can then pull it back and play it when you've got all three yeah it sort of it never quite sang for me because you then needed the actions to actually play the items as well enter bob with a spare action for playing items so you actually give yourself enough actions where say you want to play one weapon over another and push a weapon into your bin maybe it's a weapon with ammo you then scavenge back that weapon and then the the action cost of getting the new weapon back down is mitigated by bob being bob which i think is really am i making sense do you know what i mean yeah no 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 you just got that spare churn of actions to keep putting items down and but the direction you've taken your Bob deck has been 
big money Bob, right? Mm, yeah. That's a whole nother side of it as well. He can <laughs> accrue resources really quickly if he wants to. And he doesn't even have to spend them on his on his allies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose the the big question mark for me is how does Bob play in a group? And does he actually have quite a big impact on deck building? Because, you know, if you turn up and no one else in your party is running items, you know, you know, Bob will have items, but you could be really sad. Um, mm. <laughs> if everyone's, you know, you've got a mystic who's running spells and no items. You've got a seeker who's, I don't know, only running a magnifying glass or something like that. Maybe no tomes. Probably a guardian's got weapons, but yeah. And can you potentially run a hyper-efficient resource economy in Bob mm. with access to rogue cards, yeah. uh, which he can then use to subsidise the board states of all of the other players, allowing them yeah. to go lighter on resources, especially if they have kind of item-based board state that uh, going on in their, de- mm. in their decks. I think it would be really fascinating to actually track how many resources can Bob spend like around the team and does it have a significant enough impact where, say, your guardian no longer needs to run emergency cash because Bob can pay for stuff? That that would be fascinating to see. I suppose my final point as well that I just think is really fascinating about him is that we know of survivors in terms of failure. And one of the things in the rogue faction is succeed by X. And I think that transition as a deck building morphing is really intriguing to me that you could start out as bob not worrying much about passing tests and then as you upgrade your deck you actually really want to lean into having some stats be really high succeeding by a certain amount if you're running switchblades or derringers or there's so many other things that you could sort of upgrade into i think that's a really cool switcheroo i suppose enough on bob to start yeah, let's jump on to his first um, uh, his first signature card, I guess. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Shrewd Dealings. <laughs> Astonishingly, not the first card in Arkham Horror called with a, the Shrewd in the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a two-cost asset. It has two intellect and one wild pip. It has the talent trait, uh, and it says Bob Jenkins deck only, naturally. Reduce the cost of each item asset you play by one. Reaction, when you play an item asset, play it under the control of any investigator at your location. You say, end of the world. I hear, business opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, this seems... Now, I would have put money on Bob getting an item of some sort as his signature. (laughs) But this is probably better. (laughs) This makes every single item one cheaper which yep. is really, really good. <laughs> Especially if you want to try and play, play an item every turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At a basic level, after three turns, you've, you've ma- uh, sorry, three items, yeah. you've made its cost back. Yeah. Because it's one to play it and then, or draw it, however you want to count it. Uh, and then the two resource cost. So that's good. Yeah, that reduced the cost as well. It doesn't exhaust. Exhaust, I was about to say. So you every you could save like four resources a turn if you play uh, uh, an item with every action. Yeah, just go, you know, in fact, straight away, you could play Shrewd Dealings and then play three items using Bob's extra action for one of them. And you'd essentially be getting the money back. Yeah, from the yeah, Shrewd 100%. Dealings, which is pretty cool. It also makes every single one-cost asset... For anyone in the team free to play. Yeah. If they're at your location, right? Yeah. So whether they're playing knife or magnifying glass. Fire axe. You can just get them down. Fire axe, yeah. Great shout. Should we go and list every single one cost item asset in the game? <laughs> Is liquid courage one cost as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> free liquid courage for all. I wondered as well if this would interact with fence. If he if Bob starts fencing illicit stuff, fence reduces yeah. the cost or makes them fast, doesn't he? If they're already does, fast, yeah. he reduces the cost. So yeah. Wow. So then the other thing as well is that his additional action, if I'm getting this right, can be used to play an item asset from the hand of an investigator under their control. So it's still Bob doing the play, 
which means that the shrewd dealings discount does kick in for him. So if you reveal to me that you've got a 45 automatic, yeah. and then on my turn as Bob, I say, yeah, I'm going to pay four to play that 45 automatic, shrewd dealings immediately makes that pay three. Yes. So the discount, weirdly on the shrewd dealings, as long as Bob's doing the dealing, he can he can put the discount across the whole team, which is really cool. And you start to get into a strange situation like you do with teamwork, where you can swap who is uh, controlling item assets as well. Mm-hmm. So you could play that my forty-five under under your control, mm. Mm. or you can start dealing out your own cards to other investigators. Yes, yeah. Which is so my head has gone to like yeah. keepsakes and coats. Yeah. As yeah. a way of just handing out really cheap, really efficient soap. But I think the other thing to think about here is the big ticket items, right? The handing out a high high XP weapon or high XP tome to the person who needs it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think where where I went was almost there's a lot of cheap disposable assets you've got. Mm. Mm-hmm. They could easily go to different members of your team, say your key ring or, yeah, your your leather coat, shovel, lantern, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. can just be passed around the team really easily. Comes back to your discard and then using your scavenging, come straight back to your hand as well. Even even kind of the limited slot things. So say you're running Rabbit's Foot, your second copy of Rabbit's Foot you can go you straight play to, yeah. for free to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, second copy of Keyring, or you've got your hands full, then that Keyring goes to another player. Yeah, exactly. You've, you're running Lucky Cigarette Case, and you, you've already played your first copy. You're not running Relic Hunter for some reason, so you you give your other one over. Your Holy Rosary, you give it to someone else. Those kind, they're they're maybe not like the cornerstone card for other investigators because they're specific to what that investigator is doing but if you've got them going spare and they've got the slot spare it's it's also this bonus action so it's not sort of wasting time to do that yeah. I think that could be really wild I've actually just realised it is Bob on the art for Relic Hunter as well oh is it? yeah yeah <laughs> okay that's cool he's with his pushback hair his weakness which might go some way to explaining why I was trying a rogue big money style, is greed. It's a treachery. It's floor-traded. Revelation, take one horror. If you have ten or fewer resources, take one additional horror. If you have five or fewer resources, take one additional horror. If you have zero resources, take one additional horror. Worshipped by its own cult, one might say. So I had sort of wondered whether you could do a dark horse deck with Bob using shrewd dealings to play one cost items free. So mm-hmm. you uh, get fire axe down for for free using shrewd dealings and you don't need to take any money. But I would say no, because you don't want to take four horror. Yeah, totally right. If you hit greed twice when you're broke, you're out of the game, which is pretty quick for um, a signature weakness to kill you off. If you have 11 resources, it's one horror, which is... Probably one <laughs> of the mildest yeah. weaknesses you can get. <laughs> yeah. So I've played three scenarios with Bob and taken three total horror. Nice. Greed, which just, that's for me, the other justification for going rich is you you neuter your own weakness. So why wouldn't you, you know? Um, I think in a larger group, there might be a lot more pressure to spend some of those resources to help the team. Uh, at which point maybe you're ending up taking two or even three horror, and he has eight sanity, so that's not the end of the world. But Yeah. You've just described a very thematic uh, interaction of weakness, though, haven't you? <laughs> you're just desperately... Hoarding like, your resources. We just need some money, Bob. No, 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 no. I need this, just in case. <laughs> the real greed was Bob refusing to share his resources. Exactly, yeah. I guess there's a, 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 an interesting thing here. Does the... <laughs> how... The weakness is encouraging you to act in, in accordance <laughs> with the weakness. Yeah. It's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, it's weird. If you've not been greedy, it punishes you more. Yeah. yeah. Weird. <laughs> weird. So, yeah, that's Bob. That rounds out our Edge of the Earth investigators. Yeah, it does. Yeah. What a, what a set. Mm, mm. They're all, I think they're all exciting in different ways, aside from Norman. 
and that's that's not a dig in Norman. We've we've known about Norman for for quite a while, and mm. the most exciting thing about Norman when he was announced was his deck building style. Yeah, which kind of blew people's minds. But now we've got a whole a whole set of these folks. I think that there's some really obviously strong ones in there, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's some more subtle ones which might become more apparent with some play, whether they're good or not, or how good they are. Mm, yeah, yeah. We've got some with some. I think is it was there three with that really skewed five one four two. Yeah, the first there's, three were that. Yeah. yeah, Daniela, Jack, and and Norman. Norman, yes, of course. Yeah. Well, okay. Should we move on to the rest of the survivor cards then? Yeah, let's do it. We've got uh, short supply. This is a neutral cost asset or blank cost asset. It's a talent permanent limit one per deck. Purchase it deck creation. Forced, when your first turn of the game begins, discard the top 10 cards of your deck. You can only pray that it's enough. Now, we talked about this at uh, quite some length on our live stream when we mm-hmm. uh, when we revealed this card. So I think that might still be available on Twitch, but I'm not sure. The outcome was, basically, this card is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to justify not taking it as a survivor. If anything, we were too cautiously optimistic. We should have just been thoroughly optimistic. Yeah, yeah. We were like, oh, this seems interesting. Do you think you'd want to take it? And then as we started talking about it on the stream, we're like, yeah, really, obviously you take this. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And I think like it's only become more apparent how good this is since since we revealed it. I, have you had a chance to play with it yet? I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, no. Me either. So I'm really curious to hear about some people who have. Mm. It's almost just a net benefit putting it in your deck because it turns on all of your recursion right from the first turn of the game. And if all of your recursion gets milled in the first turn of the game, that means it's not in your in deck. Your deck. <laughs> so and you then can just draw your good cards. Draw the draw the cards that you were going to recur. Yeah. Which is so incredible, the, really. There's some obviously some niche situations where it's it's less good having those cards milled. I mean, for instance, if you're playing Dunwich and you're worried about Beyond the Veil, yes, yeah, this is this might might be a bit of a worry. But it is in the same faction as Alter Fate, which can mm. discard Beyond the Veil, right? Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't mill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. I don't know. Is that irony? Unfortunate. I think if we look at it in terms of Bob, who can take it, because he can also take Level Zero Scavenging. In theory, you could do what we described when we when we announced the card, which is immediately have this extra pool of 10 cards, some of which might be items to choose from, as long as you can then end up with scavenging in your hand. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, is that this kicks in only when your first turn of the game begins. So you still get to draw five cards, do your mulligan. There's no way of stopping it then doing the milling, but you at least have a sense then of, have I seen scavenging? Am I about to see both copies going to my bin? So be it. And you can determine then how you're going to play based on that. Yeah. You could even be running resourceful to get the scavenging back, if that's what you really wanted to do. Scrounge for supplies. Scrounge, scrounge your scavenging back. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, If you're running five of those cards, two scavenging, two resourceful, and a scrounge, say, or some combination of them, the chance of all five being milled, I think, is pretty slim. Yeah, I think I, I don't know whether we mentioned this on on the actual cast, but there's a weird, and in fact, someone else pointed this out to me, and it really struck a chord with me, is that when you see a resourceful in your opening hand, typically that's an immediate mulligan, right? You don't want that in your opening hand, very yeah. rarely. I mean, yeah, I can't think of many investigators who would want that in their opening hand. However, when you've got short supply, it flips around. It straight away goes to almost, well, I would say, probably an auto-keep, right? Yeah. Because you've instantly got access to, to a 10-card tutor in your opening hand. Super good. It's really yeah. cool. There's one last thing I'd say about it, which I didn't realise at the time. All of the other permanent deck altering or playstyle altering cards we've seen have three lines of text. The second is the bad line and the third is the good line, roughly yeah. speaking. <laughs> this, this is such, this is such a frank this is such a frank thing to say. <laughs> so this means that the flavour is the good line and this is only a downside? Is this what they're trying to point out? Yeah. I mean it I think more 
I wonder if they felt like this would really divide players, the designers, I mean. There'll be some people who say, why would I want to discard 10 cards from my deck? But certainly the reaction we saw as we announced this card was a lot of people saying, that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, time will time will tell. Sorry, that was honestly just like such a frank observation. It me. was, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's why, why, why I love you. Oh, thanks. Right. Well, you, want... you read the next one because we already announced that card. Oh man, you see, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think what else we've got looking at this episode. Right, fine. I'll do this one. Uh, okay, this is a two cost asset. It's Schofner's catalogue, and it has one intellect pip. Uh, it has the item and tome traits. Uses five secrets. If Schofner's catalog has no secrets, discard it. You may spend secrets on Schofner's catalog as resources to pay for item assets played by any investigator at your location. So, on the face of it, this is two cost for five back, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a more expensive cash. Does yeah. have the uh, the intellect pip, which is nice. It is limited in what you can spend the resources on. Mm-hmm. So a couple of uses jump. If you might don't mind me jumping in, I know. Please I think do. You've played please this, do. haven't you? I have. Yeah, two different decks. <laughs> so a couple I've of things. Really, yeah, love this card. That jump out to me, much like Preston. It's a way of almost like offshoring your resources. So if you're running like a dark horse star deck using Fireaxe or um, Mariner's Compass. This is a way of having some resources to pay for assets without actually needing to have any resources in your pool. And the same thing works with Preston as well. Preston can take it, and it's a way for Preston to have some money in play that isn't going to disappear at the end of the turn Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. without having to take it off uh, your inheritance. Mm -hmm. So both nice things. Um, But I think maybe the obvious interaction is... The obvious interaction is with Bob, because Bob can play it for free. But I also think by accident or by accident or design, a lot of the cards that are good for Bob are good for Yorick as well. Mm, yeah. This seems maybe almost more of a Yorick card than a Bob card. Because Yorick can just recur this and or use it to play for stuff he's putting out of his discard every time he kills, kills an enemy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I think it's dependent on what Yorick's cycling yeah. and whether he also wants to cycle this but yeah no i think i think that's a really good point the note in in bob's favor is that shrewd dealings also reduces the cost of this oh yes of course yes which it doesn't with cash yeah yeah Yeah. um the other synergy i've been really enjoying with this is with backpack backpack could find emergency cash because it looks for item or supply is that right so it's not that it's not that this is a card that could be found where cash couldn't they both could be found but what I like is that you can pay for the backpack, fetch the Schofners, you find your catalogue in your backpack, play it out of the backpack, and then use the Schofners to play the other items out of the backpack as well, um, which is kind of kind of nice. I'd add, in terms of it being a nice Bob card, if you are hoarding your resources as well because you're worried about greed, it's just, like you said, it's a little bank, a little piggy bank of more resources that you have ready to play I mean, I think there are some other edge cases where if there are, you know, locations that tax you resources or if you have a weakness that's going to make you discard resources, the catalogue is still still going to keep hold of them. And of course, because it's secrets, there is some scope for doing secrets shenanigans if you really wanted to, whether that's like enraptured to put more secrets on it or truth from fiction. Broadly speaking, they work out as about one for one anyway. (laughs) So it's sort of not worth the effort. But it's worth noting, if we ever see a double the number of secrets card, that will be yeah. really good with this. Absolutely. Um, one other thing to add, which is kind of weird, minor thing. Do you know what separates this from every other tome? It doesn't take up a hand slot. Doesn't take up a hand slot. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. So, I mean, I was thinking when I looked at it, um, I, you know, I have to have to confess, I did just check that as we were speaking. <laughs> okay, nice, that's slick. So that's slick. There, there might be another another one that I've not I've not spotted, but I'm pretty sure that there's no other terms that don't take a hand slot, um, unless there's a one that's hidden on Arkham DB that I can't see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was thinking about Parallel Daisy because she gets boosted from the number of terms she's holding. Mm, yeah, but crucially, she's limited by how many terms she can hold. 
Yeah. Uh, so this this fits in that. Not only does it help you play other tomes, um, yeah. it doesn't take up one of your hand slots, despite the fact that it still boosts your stats. Yeah, that's nice. That's really nice. I also think it's... Can I say one last thing about this card as well? Sure. We yeah. have spoken about it for quite a bit. The idea of... I, in my head, it's basically the Argos catalogue. The idea of Yorick like killing a snake man and then pulling an Argos catalogue off its body just find it, like, very, very funny. It is inadvertently hilarious as well, just repeatedly, particularly when you, because it's not unique, you can use the Shoffness catalogue to pay pay for another Shoffness catalogue, and then maybe that Shoffness catalogue finds you a backpack that has a Shoffness catalogue in it. It's sort of like um, viral marketing. It's everywhere you go, the Shoffness catalogues. Final point for me is I've tried this in Patrice, and I really like it. That's a nice, similar sort of benefit to Preston there, right? Yeah. Found, you know, Patrice often is tight for resources, but particularly if you have that turn where you draw Moonstone and you really want to be able to play it when you discard it, having a Shoffner's down with the secrets on it means you're not worrying about managing your resource pool because you've got them waiting. I think that's really, really tasty little bonus. So that is the catalogue. Next we have Bandages. This is a two-cost asset with an agility icon. It's also item-traded. Uses three supplies. If bandages has no supplies, discard it. Reaction. After an investigator or ally asset at your location takes one or more damage, spend one supply, heal one damage from that card. Uh, This is one of those cards that uh, will make me sing a song every time I read it. It bandages by hot hot heat will pop into my head every time I bandages <laughs> anyway. Yeah, what do you make of this then? You haven't used this one. I haven't used this one. No. Two cost for three healing in Survivor. Do we have any good good comparisons for that? Two cost for heal. What is it? Two for emergency aid. Yep. In Guardian, though. In Guardian, yeah. In Survivor, uh, there's no. The only other damage healing I can think of is Jessica Hyde. Who heals yeah. herself? Yeah, I, th- I think it's okay. I think especially in Bob. Yeah, in Bob, you've not spent a spent an action to play it. Oh, this oh, I'm falling into the trap here, are we? <laughs> of we viewing everything it. through the prism well, of Bob. We can't make a bad card good by saying it's better in Bob because a good card will just be even better. <laughs> yes, very true. So the, the there is some issues now. We haven't got onto them yet. But there is some weaknesses in this set which mm-hmm. kind of interact with healing. But from memory, they're not going to work with this because it. Oh no! Yeah, no, no they no, will. No, they no, will. No, they will. No. They will. Because you heal, you heal a damage, but you can only do it when you've taken a damage. You don't. It's not like you prevent a damage being dealt. Yeah. No. Um, so I guess that's a thing. I think let's check the weaknesses though, because they say. They may be healed as if they were a single point of damage on you. Okay, so then then it does work. Yeah. So you take another point of damage from somewhere else, use bandages to heal one damage, and instead of healing a damage, you heal that weakness. Sorry, if you've not yet seen the weaknesses, we are going to get onto them shortly, so all will become clear. So it does. they do minorly help with that. I think in bandages' favour is that it also heals allies. Yes, that's so you nice. can do the like. I'm going to assign this damage onto Leo De Luca, and it heals back. However, because it's after, I'm pretty sure if you assign the killing damage, the ally is then gone before you can react and heal one damage. Yes, what this will do though is for cards that deal a damage to themselves. You can use mm. this to heal them. Yeah. Because yeah. typically, if you prevent a cost, then the effect doesn't trigger. Yeah, that's right. Right? So if I've got a beat cop and I have a card that says prevent one damage, I yeah. can't exhaust the beat cop and prevent a damage. And then to, still deal a damage by the beat cop. And still deal yeah. a damage. However, with this, I can deal a damage to him. Yeah. Uh, and then I can heal a damage off him. So this creates the image of. Tommy Muldoon with agency backup and every time agency backup goes wading in to start dealing damage to enemies Tommy Muldoon runs after them and like bandages up their sore arm yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, okay, so th- that that's a nice little, maybe a, a niche interaction then. Maybe someone like Tommy really likes this card. Yeah, the thing that jumps out to me then is guard dog. Just keep healing would, your guard dog. Exactly, I was just thinking about that. Mm. Can you can you trigger a reaction ability as many times as you want off one instance? I, d- I, I, I have a feeling, no, that each card can respond to the point once but maybe i'm wrong you can respond with as many things to a point a timing yeah, point it, it does it feels like it doesn't make sense i could use two bandages okay maybe you can once yeah. each but i couldn't use one bandage twice maybe, yeah i could be wrong yeah i don't think it, it i don't think it make or breaks the card to be honest i um, guess most things that do that do exhaust so i kill an enemy i have to exhaust gret wagner she is yeah. a great target for that as well because she oh, deals she herself is, damage to get clues yeah. Here we you go. Who... This, this is this is Tommy card, isn't it? <laughs> Daniela card. Yeah, here as well. Okay, there we go. Nice. Because of course Daniela can take Survivor. Yes, and she's happy to take damage as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have a zero cost event. Uh, this is Jury Rig. It has an intellect and a combat pip, and it has the upgrade trait. Uses three durability. That's uh, so the sound of lots of um, token manufacturers rubbing their hands together because they get to do durability tokens now. Yeah. Attached to an item asset controlled by an investigator at your location. Free action. During a skill test on attached asset, spend one durability. You get plus two skill value for this test. If it ain't broke, make it better. I find... I I don't know whether I'm alone in this, but I find uh, upgrade cards just really like... There's something viscerally appealing about them. Yeah, I think that idea of upgrades and sort of tooling up a single weapon is really enjoyable, isn't it, in Arkham? If you do the thing with Becky, where you like pile upgrades onto Becky as Tommy, and Becky suddenly becomes this amazing, reliable gun that does more damage every time you shoot, it's super fun. And this, you're, you're spending an action, because it's not fast, importantly. It does attach to an item, and it's basically giving you three unexpected courages. Yes. It reminds me a lot of uh, The Last of Us, it's a very, mm. like, Last of Us thing to do. Like, you upgrade your weapons and they have, like, a certain amount of hits that can be used for, but you can put a load of nails in and mm. it can be used mm. a bit longer. And this makes me think as well, actually, about that. Can you do it multiple times? This this free trigger yes. here, I would definitely say you could. So that makes me think that the reaction you could as well. But Yeah. So here's a weird thing. It is a bit like Fire Axe. Mm. Right? Because Fire Axe, you can spend a resource uh, up to three times for plus two. Which kind of makes me think, I don't know whether this has happened to you, but if you're in that situation where you've got a Fire Axe and you've got a, like, say, four health enemy on you, you can spend your the last three resources in your pool, hit, do two damage, but then you're stuck fighting at your regular fight value. Yeah. This kind of feels like... it. Yeah, it's just like a fire axe recharge. <laughs> it's like yeah. three hidden resources you can spend to boost up your fire axe. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I, I went to a couple of different places. I thought about what I said before about Bob and upgrading into rogue weapons and wanting to see seed by a lot. Mm. And, you know, jury rigging your derringer so that when you shoot with it, it gives you a plus four. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. And then the other thing I thought of is that some of the sort of reliable damage weapons in Guardian don't give you the biggest boost. So yeah. like the Colt or the 45 automatic, certainly at lower levels. And if you actually were had survivor access and you just wanted to make sure you landed those important hits, jury rigging a weapon would be good. You can Unless also... Jury sorry, rig no. something that isn't a weapon. That's was, exactly that, was that what I was going to say? I was going to yeah, say, yeah. yeah. So, so flashlight or an old keyring or something like that. Yeah, I think what you said. This is three unexpected courages. That's that strikes really true, which makes me like this card quite a lot. Yeah, you do have to spend the action to put it down. Yeah, but you know you've got three cards there for drawing one card and playing one card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can even stack them together. It, it will, of course, only uh, work on something strapped to an item asset. So you have to be careful about that. But then again, I think lots of people like their basic actions. So your fingerprint kit or whatever, mm-hmm. your, your your machete or whatever you've played or your magnifying glass. How do you jury rig a magnifying glass? 
Yeah, well, that doesn't trigger any skill tests. So. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right, yes, that doesn't yeah, work yeah, at all. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry about that. I like the fingerprint kit idea, though, as well, because then you're getting a plus three on the fingerprint kit, and it only has three uses, doesn't it? So it sort of works out perfectly that you get plus three three times. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of nice. So, yeah, I think it's a... I think it's a sweet little card. Yeah. I've, I've, you've talked me around it because I wasn't sure when I first we first read that. But actually, yeah, it's, it's nice. Well, let me, nice. let me talk you out of it then. I tried oh, it no. in that Bob deck. And it didn't and, work. <laughs> and found that I never had the time to play it or wanted to play it or could get my boosts elsewhere. Yeah. Which well, is rare for me to, to having a, to first look having played a card. Sorry, listeners. Shocked to hear that. It was in the interim between our first first looks and these ones. I put it in the deck excitedly, being like, yeah, I think this can do work for me. Maybe that's solo as well, though. Maybe you have a bit more time to to play some upgrades out if you're playing that Bob style of, I'm going to support the whole team, pay for all of their items. You know, you can even do something. I've just thought of this. Go on. This if you're using good. Bob to play items for other people that wouldn't normally have them, Jury rigging those items so that they actually still can be used efficiently is quite a nice idea. So oh, if I I've see. played the 45 automatic from the Guardian, but I've given it to the Mystic who hasn't been able to find their combat spells yet, they might only have a combat of two or three. But if it's I know I can jury rig that weapon for them, for them. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's really survivor style of like, let's make do, we'll make this work. Stick some nails onto that 45 automatic, it'll do a job. <laughs> That is the end of the factions. Yeah, yeah, that's the end of the factions. Done. Hang on. It's me dusting my hands off. Very good. However, there's some neutral cards in the Edge of the Earth box as well, so we thought we'd do them now. Yes. Well, we're going to go through all of them, including the experienced ones as well. Well, let's, let's crack on. The first one is in the thick of it. This is a null-costed asset. Zero XP. It's curse-traded, permanent, limit one per deck, purchase at deck creation, when you purchase in the thick of it. Suffer two total physical and or mental trauma, then earn three experience. This seems pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. I think lots of people could take this reasonably. This yeah. ties into... Oh, go on, you, you tell me what you think first. Yeah, I think similar. I, I think what I went to is, if you're already packing in a bit of healing... This is just justifies that even more because you know you're going to be starting scenarios damaged. And I think two trauma for three XP is not too bad a deal. That's that's what I think. <laughs> Nothing ground, <laughs> groundbreaking there. Go on. So what I think about in the thick of it is that uh, it almost ties into a conversation that we've been meaning to have on the podcast, or, or I've been meaning to have anyway, which is that... Once you start getting experience, it's easier to get more experience mm. uh, and you're at less risk of something bad happen- happening to you on the way to that. Mm. Um, so this kind of gives you a head start along that path. You can imagine having experience means you're less likely to lose a scenario. And if it makes you less likely to lose a scenario to the tune of one damage and one horror or whichever combination of damage and horror adds up to two, Mm. then this is kind of just automatically worth it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you mean with that idea of once you get a certain amount of XP, you can get more? It's like when you hit that 15 plus XP for your deck, the deck's really singing, you've bought the key upgrades, and you can sometimes hit a point in a campaign where you're like, yeah, we're really hitting our stride here, we're we're cleaning up nicely. And you get ahead of the encounter deck and then ahead of the scenario difficulty to such a degree that you can then just get more and more XP. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think like there's a you either curve upwards if you do better in some of the early scenarios, you curve upwards, so your deck is able to stay ahead of the difficulty curve, or yeah. you have some bad scenarios and then you kind of on the on a downward curve, so the scenarios get more and more difficult as you go along, and you're less able to to get those extra experience points. Yeah, I th- I think it's just. Um... I think I'd say, first of all, if you have a nine in a stat, a health or sanity, this is definitely worth a look at because dropping to a seven, I think, is reasonable unless you're using that stat deliberately for a certain purpose. I'd even be tempted in an eight stat to think about it, I suppose. 
Yeah. I just I just remember Forgotten Age and Forgotten Age teaching us that you can play with trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 me too. There's there's a you can get the binoculars early on in Forgotten Age, don't you, which gives you two extra XP. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But there's a trade off if you haven't taken the blanket, you take a trauma. Yeah. That's probably probably worth it. <laughs> probably worth the two XP to not take the blanket, yeah. Yeah. And then the next question, I suppose, is what do you spend your three XP on to start? Some healing. <laughs> Some healing, exactly. Thermos is online, right? If you've got a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You're in the thick of it and you just sit down and crack open your thermos with your cream of tomato soup or whatever it yeah. is. And then you take two arcane research and you start with four mental trauma. <laughs> And you really enjoy that thermos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, actually, weirdly, my thoughts are going to Danich here and all of those permanent stat boosts yeah. were, th- were 3 XP before some of them were tabooed. Yeah. And, you know, imagine starting with higher ed or streetwise scenario one. It's just berserk, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is one kind of red elephant in the room here. Which is worth mentioning, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is Calvin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell this is where we first looked because it's only just occurred to us both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, great shout. Yeah, start start with the juicy one 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 stat line. Exactly. He's competing yeah. with powerhouse Preston at that point. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, almost Calvin is keen to get that first couple of trauma, mm-hmm. so he doesn't start off from totally like the ground floor every single game yeah and this benefits you to the tune of three experience when you do it yeah you, you put you straight away pentacles. <laughs> yeah yeah or one spirit of humanity one pentacles and you're ready to go yeah yeah that's really nice that's a great shout i was going to say the other thing you could get is charisma or relic hunter yeah yeah absolutely yeah if that's what you wanted to do cool next card is yours to read yeah, we've got Evie Furs. This is a two-cost asset and has a combat pip and it has item and armor traits. Reaction. After you reveal a non-tentacle symbol on a chaos token during a skill test you are performing, deal one damage to Heavy Furs, cancel that chaos token and return it to the bag, reveal a new chaos token. This has two health, blank sanity, and it uses the body slot. Mm-hmm. So it's a two two cost leather coat rather than a zero cost leather coat. Yes. But you gain this reaction ability. Yes. There is a new token type in Edge of the Earth campaign expansion, Frost Tokens. Yes. So maybe they will be really bad. <laughs> and you might <laughs> maybe. particularly want heavy furs for them. This seems like very okay, I guess. It's a bit mm-hmm. like a a Wendy, right? But yeah. A Wendy that costs two to play in an action. Rather than cards. I mean Wendy is Wendy is good. Her ability is really good, as yeah. established. But does does two shots of her ability really really set my world on fire? It's a really weird one for me because I feel like it's actually two cards trapped inside one heavy furs here. Because <laughs> it's 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 soak in the body slot. Yes. That I would therefore want to do soaking with. But if I soak damage on this, I then lose its ability. Yes. And the ability is this token redraw ability. Two health just feels that little bit too stingy on it. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're running the Guardian Tarot from Return to TCU, is it the star? No. It's the one that gives all of your assets with health plus one health. You could get a little bit more out of that. You could do, yeah, I guess. But you've probably yeah, got... it's funny to me. It's a weird sort of tension. Yeah. That's Unless there's something say. else we are not thinking of. Um, Cancelings. Um, it's an item, so you can scavenge ja- it back. Yeah, J- maybe Bob. Jacqueline or... Um, yeah. mm, that's nice, yeah. Mm, or I like, mean, maybe... maybe I, just... I think they think there's some, there's some wild um, gym tech coming. Some of the high-level cards I've, that, I've, that I've glanced at. Uh, do work with Jim in interesting ways. So this could be another way for Jim to be like manipulating that chaos bag. I love uh, it. Like a kind the of musician, like, a... like in his furs, has headed to the headed to the Antarctic. He's just 
tearing the world up. That's so cool. I mean, maybe maybe what it is is it's a slightly like having um, which is the Wendy effect. It's slightly like having a lucky in hand. What we can't judge just from looking at the card is how many other cards you save from having played heavy furs. And you yeah. play heavy furs and you start lowballing tests because you've got this token cancel on tap. The other cards that spring into mind. Sorry, I had to look this up just as you were speaking there, Frank. Mm. Third time's a charm sort of sprang to mind, which oh wow, yeah, wasn't necessarily convinced by either. And okay, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the other one that sprang to mind? Live and learn, live and learn. Hmm. Yeah. Which I actually quite like. Live and learn. I think that's got some great uses, but it also combos with like failing a mm. test as well. So you can trigger stuff that happens when you fail. And yeah. still get a chance to succeed at the test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wow, you're running heavy furs in stellar and cancelling the plus one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a bold play. Give me that tentacle, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, I needed to fail. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's heavy furs. If on. you've got ideas about that, write in, listener, because it's a bit of a head scratcher, I'd say. Next, we have sled dog. Not one, not two, not three, but four sled dogs. Three-cost asset, combat icon, ally and creature traded. You may include up to four copies of Sled Dog in your deck. Up to two Sled Dog cards take up a single ally slot. It's got two health and two sanity, does take up the ally slot, and it's got two actions. First action, exhaust X Sled Dogs, move, move X times. Second action, exhaust X Sled Dogs, fight. You get plus X combat for this attack. Instead of its standard damage, this attack deals X damage. Um, looking at this has just triggered a thought for me I was going to mention earlier, mm. which is that with shrewd dealings, Bob kind of turns into Leo, but for items instead of allies. Yeah. Yeah. You play a he does. free item every turn at one cost rather than a free ally every turn at, yeah. a, at a reduction of one cost. Good, good point. Yeah. And- probably a similar tension then like i said with how many items or how many allies you put in your deck as either of them yeah yeah obviously a lot more difficult with leo because he's only got one ally slot most of the time yeah well (laughs) yeah not most of the time to begin with he's got one to begin with yeah yeah so you can include four copies of sled dog in your deck yes you can only have two of them in play unless you've got ways of getting more ally slots whether that's charisma or leo they're not unique allies so if leo has mitch down he could play more of them Each one's going to cost you three resources and an action to play, which is pretty tough. And when you've only played one, you've got an action to exhaust one to move once, and you've got an (laughs) action to exhaust one to get plus one fight to deal one damage. Yeah. Once you've got two down, you've got an action to get a double move or an action to get plus two combat for two damage. Yeah. That's pretty good. Like, that's fine. Particularly having both of those things combined in, in... one, the double move and the the hit. Mm, it's six cost though to do that. But it is six cost for two, two actions. Yeah. If you get three down, it starts to get really potent. But again, the thing that's going to maybe hold you back is the cost and the actions to play all of them. Yes. I guess you could ever vigilant to spit out three dogs. <laughs> assuming you have or um, what's it called? Geared up. No, that's items. No, isn't it's it? only items. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> so you jump just... on the sledge and you're like, you've got all your gear on the sledge, your machine gun, your skis, and you've forgotten to bring any dogs to pull the sledge. Yeah, <laughs> because because you were sort of getting there when you've got four. Remember that you can exhaust as many as you want, right? Yeah. So once once you get four, you could do clever things like exhaust two and two to move twice and then fight for two damage. Yeah. Or you could. Fight and do two damage. Fight and do two damage if you've got two two health enemies on you, or yeah. you can fight once for plus four and dealing four damage yeah. by exhausting all of your dogs. I just want to shout out that this card was announced by the YouTube channel Playing Board Games, and I watched their coverage of it because I haven't seen too much Playing Board Games coverage, and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it because the first comment they made was playing one seems pretty bad, and then yeah. the next comment they made was about making a complicated Leo deck with <laughs> you owe me one and teamwork to get eight in play. Yeah, of course. And so they went from one to eight and kind of covered the full spectrum. I just thought that was a really interesting way of covering the card rather than doing what we're doing, which is kind of getting stuck at two and three. Yes. 
there will be people who love this card for the potential to have your dog army, and I think yes. that's really nice. Yes, I think though it's I'm a, I'm not convinced at all by it. I think it sort of <laughs> falls into the same problem I had with um, meditative trance, which is just that getting it powered up to the point where it's useful is not going to happen very often. Mm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the trance because I was thinking of the dragon pole and the ideal ah, of the dragon pole with your three arcane slots filled so you're hitting at plus three um, combat. It's a similar, like when you start looking at the resource and action cost behind that, it's pretty steep. Well, yes, but I'm I'm on team dragon pole here. I, don't, I think the dragon pole is well, pretty okay. good because I, you need two for it to get two damage, right? Yeah. Remember those... Arcane assets are also helping you. And, as I pointed out after we recorded, there's, um, <laughs> what's it called? Enchant Weapon, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, which gives an arcane slot to something else. Yeah. So you could enchant the dragon pole. Yeah. Exactly, and it instantly it, it, bu- it buffs itself and is also then enchanted, which is a yeah. really nice little combination of cards. It's really nice, yeah. This just seems like, at two, it's it's fine, but not good. At three, it's starting to get okay. But then I've paid nine and three actions to pay them all. At two, you've done the same as what you've done with the dragon pole. Well, you've done... It's hitting then for plus two for two damage, which is um, as good as the dragon pole, and you've played three things with the dragon pole to get to that point. Yes, but the other assets you've played with the dragon pole are also useful. Yeah, well, these sled dogs all have two health and two sanity soak. Yes. And also and you moves. you can use the Dragon Paw more than once a turn. That's true. <laughs> I'm not trying to say this is better than Dragon Paw. I'm just, we're we're talking around the same issues, aren't we? I guess we are. require you to assemble multiple pieces before they start to sing. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I would potentially say the the Dragon, I would much rather have the Dragon Paw than, than, yeah, than well, Dogs. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the Paw at least is... is is it, I mean, when you've got one pole and one dog, they're kind of the same. Yeah. Except that the, the, the dog gives you two soak, um, two two damage and two health soak, uses up the ally slot. The pole yeah. uh, uses up both your hand slots and gives you an extra arcane slot. So fine. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you start playing spells, which also have an additional effect, the pole straight away starts to get better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The dogs, I think you need like three or four dogs for them to be really worth it. And that just seems like it's going to be so hard to do. Plus, with your arcane slots, you're looking for anything that fills an arcane slot. With the dogs, you're just looking for dogs. Now, I guess what you could do is run like a lucid dreaming deck, dreaming of dogs. That's nice. Yeah. And like, because does lucid dreaming pull all copies? No, it just pulls one more unless you have oh, Mandy just one then. more. Right, okay. Yeah. Or maybe someone's got the Mandy dog deck brewing. With the dream enhancing serum. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm dreaming of dogs. Keep drawing extra cards because you draw more dogs. Well, let's look at the next card, and we're yes. going to do something. We're going into XP here, listener. We're diving on. Oh yeah, it's this our first one... XP card, and it's me to read. Me to read. Yeah, this is a unique card. It's the Rod of Animalism, and it is a two cost asset for one experience or level one. Uh, it has uh, a willpower pip, and it has the item and relic traits. You have two additional ally slots, which can only be used to hold creature assets. Then it has a reaction. When you play a creature asset during your turn, reduce that asset's cost by one. And it uses the accessory slot. What do you make of this, then? So with the sled dogs, you're trading your arcane slot for... Accessory. Sorry, your accessory slot for two additional ally slots, which is potentially six dogs because they each, two of them take one <laughs> slot. Um, and all the dogs end up costing two. So if you can play three or more dogs, you're getting money back on what you've paid for the rod. That seems good. I think the other option here is that Stray Cat and Mysterious well, Raven are a thing. This is exactly what I was going to go for. I think, again, yeah. <laughs> this is potentially like a Yorick card. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to read all of the the creatures? Yeah, go on. So we've got um, Miss Doyle and then Augur, Hope and Zeal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Uh, who are all one cost. Creature assets. Yeah. Uh, we've got Duke. Obviously that's the start of the game and play. We've got Familiar Spirit. Yorick can't take as it's uh, Mystic. 
but it's a nice, nice wee card. One and one for one cost. Now free. Foolishness is a four cost asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, guard dog, which is very nice. Uh, Mysterious raven, like you say. Sled dog, which is talked about. And then stray cat. Now, to me, I think you could run a Yorick deck which had potentially Miss Doyle, Mysterious Raven, and Stray Cat and recycled them with a Rod of Animalism mm. for, like, a significant saving. <laughs> yeah. And having the extra ally slots is really good when you're working with disposable allies like Stray Cats, Mysterious Ravens, and Miss Doyle. I mean, Miss yeah. Doyle wants to stay and play. But then you've got two extra slots slots to play with for your your various cats and birds. But they don't. The Hope Ze- Zeal and Augur don't take up a slot. They don't. Right? No, no, they don't. So then you're not worried about them. But yeah, no. But of course, once Miss Doyle or if Miss Doyle leaves play, then all of her, her yeah. cat buddies go. No, I think there's a definitely an animal deck there. Absolutely, and I think yeah, even add Guard Dog to that discussion. You've played a guard dog or you've played a stray cat and you've got another ally like a raven in hand that you want down on the table to get clues, but you don't want to boot them out of the slot. And this just really eases that. Because it's a Mitch, right? It's Mitch Brown, but for creature out. (laughs) Yeah. And like Shrewd Dealings, there's no exhaust there. If you play a load of creatures, you get a load of discount. You can get as many as you like. Which I think is really cool. It's a nice kind of uh, gets you coming and going in this. I, I like it that it gives you extra ally slots for creatures mm. and then makes playing creatures nicer. It's two abilities that really synergize well with each other. Speaking of synergy. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Do you want to read us our last card? I think it's you to read the last one. This is one. call for backup. <laughs> it's a one cost. Did you call call for me to help help yeah, you with this card? I needed backup knowing whose turn it was. It's a one cost event, two XP with a wild icon, favor and synergy traded, one at a time in any order. If you control a rogue card, you may move to a connecting location. A guardian card, deal one damage to an enemy at your location. Seeker card, discover one clue at your location. Mystic card, heal one horror from any card. Survivor card, heal one damage from any card. I love that this is the kind of card that when you're doing first looks is really difficult to slip up on because it's got all the different symbols and it's yeah. at the end of recording. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little challenge there. Ah! And the symbols aren't in order as well. They've decided to put Rogue first for some reason. This is our first synergy card. That we've looked at. Yes, it is. What do you think? I think my headline for synergy is two is just about okay, but you really want three. Yes, I think that's my position. I think that is fair. The problem I have with this card is that it's all the effects are quite specific. Maybe they're not. Maybe it's okay. I feel like you want the seeker element in there. Discover a clue at your location, Mm. and then potentially either the move or the damage. As as the second one, and then one of the healings is like the kind of the the, the bonus, the little yeah. icing on the cake. I think my other thought here is how much do we want to go into our thoughts about synergy more generally now? And my one, the one point I will make is first, it's a point of two parts. First, your investigator card is a card of a faction, so you start with a synergy of one depending on what your faction is. And second, multi-class cards count as both classes. And this is obviously the box when we're seeing multi-class revisited in a big way. So I wonder, actually, if it might be quite easy to get to Synergy 3. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and potentially, that, say say you're playing Roland. I don't know if you've heard of him. And, he, and you're starting with Forced Learning. You've mm-hmm. already got Guardian and Seeker down then. And yeah. then you just need something like, say, an Enchanted Blade, level zero, which gives you Mystic. And then this yeah. is a one-cost event to deal a damage to an enemy at your location, grab a clue, and heal a horror from you with five sanity. Like, that That seems pretty good. I think the challenging thing for this is it does need to be judged both by the investigator and by the situation you're in. Well, this is what I'm getting <laughs> at. I, I feel like, regardless of synergy, and I think synergy is interesting, and it would be lovely to kind of really do a fleshed out episode on it. 
mm-hmm. even at the the best case scenario, which is one of each, uh, one of each class in play, faction in play. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so specific what you can do. I don't know that it's actually going to be useful. So the question is, can you make the one or two things you really need to do with the card useful? Yeah, and I don't know. I can't yeah. answer that. <laughs> it's quite hard to, to judge, right? Other thing, I just note, small, a small point, but I think important. This heals horror and damage from any card. Any card. Any card? Yeah. If you've accidentally dropped some horror onto the act and you can't see what the act <laughs> says this will heal it off yeah but that is important because you know we saw the bandages was investigator or ally yeah and we've talked a little bit a meditative trance one of the black marks against its name is that it doesn't heal anything apart from you you know yeah. it doesn't have a lot of utility in that way but these potentially you know healing allies it doesn't even need to be at your location right uh is there not a rule about interacting with cards? Well, the Guardian says deal one damage to an enemy at your location. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. eh? If that is the case. I've got a final question for you, Frank, on this card. Okay. What class are the people in the art? Oh, yeah. I think I can do that. Do you want the... to go from left to right? So we've got... I was going to say Seeker on the left, but I think the guy with the book is the Seeker on the right. I think so. It's the guy on the left. I don't know. Then it's Rogue, Guardian, Seeker. Who's the guy on the left then? A Survivor? Well, I thought my guess would be the guy in the in the suit. He's got like a wee gun. He's quite, quite hunched over. He's the Rogue. And then I'd go with um, the lady with the shotgun. Maybe Survivor. What are you talking about? She's a dilettante. She's like Jenny. That is a rogue, if ever I saw one. Mm, don't know. Okay. And then the guy in the middle, the, the long coat, he looks like he's got some magic stick. Yeah. So I'm going mystic, although he, he's built like a guardian. Mm. And then, yeah, the guy with the book, I'm going seeker. Okay, so we only agree on one there, which is... <laughs> the seeker, yeah. That's good. That's a good sign. It'd be a shame if we were just, just agreeing yes in each other. So that is our first look of the Survivor Level 0, Neutral Level 0, and Neutral XP cards for Edge of the Earth, broken out of our Level 0. Stay tuned, we've got loads more different types of episodes covering all the cards in the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion for players. We're not going to sign off, but thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.